When God first called Abraham in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, he let Abraham know, I have plans for you. I have plans for your family. I'm going to make you a great nation. And not just a great nation, Abraham. I am going to give you a land of promise. I'm going to take you to a place that is going to be yours. And Abraham's grandson eventually has his name changed. Jacob has his name changed to Israel. And now the nation starts off as a family. It's not just like some nation of Israel like we know it now. It started off just as one man's family. And that promise grew and they had children and children's children. And all of a sudden now there's an entire nation. But, but before God could take them into their land of promise, he first, they stop off for uh, just a short 430 years in the nation of Egypt. And they're in bondage to that nation. God finally sends a deliverer named Moses who leads God's people out of bondage. And they start this journey toward that promised land that God promised Abraham years before. But because of sin and disobedience, Moses, he never got to see that land of promise. Well, he got to see it, I should say. He never got to enter it. He never got to obtain it. And neither does anyone else over the age of 20 except for Joshua and Caleb. So Joshua now takes the reins from Moses, and Joshua is the leader, and he leads the Israelites into this land of promise. After all these years of prophecy and waiting and hundreds and hundreds of years, Joshua finally says, we're there, we're, we're, we're in it, we're going to take the walls of Jericho, fall before them, and they, and they inhabit the land. And when you look at the end of the 12th chapter of Joshua, we read a list of every king west of the Jordan River that was defeated by Joshua and the Israelites. And I wish I could just take time this morning, but you'd be bored out of your mind to read, and then the king of blah, 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 and then the king of blah, 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 and then the king of blah, 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 and then the king of blah, blah, blah. And there's just this list of, of the king, the name, the city, the king, the name, the city, the king, the name, the city. And there were 31 different kings and kingdoms that were defeated en route to their promised land. Sounds like an amazing feat, an amazing blessing in itself. Hey, I defeated 31 different kings and kingdoms. That is awesome. But then look what God says in Joshua chapter 13. It says, when Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, you're growing old. Has God told anybody that? You're like, excuse me? He says, in much land remains to be conquered. That sounds a lot like what I just preached on Wednesday night. For those of you who are here, those of you who watched online, and those of you who skipped the service and that are now, now feeling bad about it. I preached our best days, our greatest days, they're still ahead of us. So Joshua, hey, 31 kings and kingdoms. God did great things. He says, Joshua, hold, sit tight. You're getting old, man. And I just got to tell you, there is a whole lot of work for my people still yet to accomplish. And this is the territory that remains. He says, he starts telling them all the regions of Philistines and the Geshurites and, and the larger territory of the Canaanites extending from the stream of Shahor and, and on the border of Egypt northward to the boundary of Ekron. It includes the territory of, of the five Philistine rulers of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The land of the Avites in the south also remains to be conquered. The following areas have not yet been conquered. All the land of the Canaanites. I wonder if God God's doing this because, you know, you wonder what was going on because the Bible doesn't shed light. It tells us the story, but we don't know every detail of the story. Was Joshua kind of like at the end of his life, like, yeah, 
I let him in. 31 kings and kingdoms. And God just starts breaking it down. He doesn't just say, hey, there's a lot left to be done. He starts saying, there's this territory, that territory, that territory. You haven't conquered that territory. We're, we, I have still have that. Sometimes we sit on our padded pews on a Sunday morning. We say, we've done well for ourselves. Man, look at this paid out building. Got a good crowd of people here today. And we can just settle in and get comfortable. And God's going, hold on a second here. I still have so much work for my people to do. There are so many spiritual things that you have yet to conquer. And just don't get too comfortable. And so he just starts breaking this all down, all landing Canaanites, and including Merah, which long, belongs now to the Sidonians, and stretching northward to Aphek on the border of the Amorites, and the land of the Gebelites, and all of the Lebanon mountain area to the east, from Baal Gad, below Mount Hermon, to Laba Hamath, and all the hill country from Lebanon to Misrath, including all the land of the Sidonians. And look what he says, I... I myself will drive these people out of the land ahead of the Israelites. So be sure to give this land to Israel as a special possession, just as I have commanded you. This morning, my title is Go Ahead and Buy the Land. Go ahead and buy the land. Lord, we are so thankful for what we have already felt. We're thankful for what we're getting ready to feel. Your word is about to come to life in a marvelous and powerful way in this place. Hearts and minds are going to hear, see, and feel things that they've never felt before, both online and in person, because your word is powerful, because you are powerful, because your spirit is powerful. God, let just a prophetic unction come over this building. Let the gifts of the spirit begin to operate by the end of this service. Let there be signs, wonders, and miracles in people's lives, health, and finances, God. Lord Jesus, I pray just a mighty anointing would rest upon me and that you would speak through me today. In your name I pray. Amen. Did we read this right? God tells Joshua, in spite of already conquering 31 kings and kingdoms, that there were still many lands to be conquered. How often do we do this? We celebrate past victories and blessings about what God has provided, how the church grew, the miracles we saw and experienced, the influence we had, the disciples we made. And God's looking at us and going, um, great, awesome. But there is a whole lot more left to be done. This right here is not the pinnacle. How many have ever experienced a miracle in your life? If you've been filled with the Spirit, that's a miracle in itself, so you might as well raise your hand. How many of you have seen literally someone healed of a, of a physical sickness, illness, or disease? How many of you have had God provide miraculously in your finances and, and do something when you didn't know how it was going to happen? Okay, we have seen great things. We have personally experienced or saw incredible things. But guess what? Everything that you've seen to this point is nothing compared to what he has on the horizon. This, we have not yet reached what God has wanted us to be and do and see and accomplish. This church, this is not, this is Refuge Church Sanctuary One. Somebody just look around and tell someone next to you, say, hey, we're sitting in Refuge Church Sanctuary One. In 
If you think we're just going to die in this sanctuary, you are wrong. This is not the ending exclamation point or period in the sentence of our history. This right here is the first, second, third chapter, all right? We are getting ready to see what God is going to do in this community, and this building cannot house what God has planned for the city of Liberty. I am thankful that I got a couple people preaching with me right now. This building cannot physically house what God has planned for his city. And so God looks at this old man, Joshua, seasoned veteran warrior and leader, and God politely reminds Joshua, hey, just because you've seen great things, I just want you to know that there is still victory. And I wonder if Joshua, maybe he wasn't prideful. Maybe he wasn't looking at his 31 kings because we don't know the context. Maybe it was just the opposite. Maybe it was the fact that he knew Israel's history as a leader of Israel's history, reading the law of Moses, having the law of Moses read to him. He understood Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the promises and, and the promised land. And he knew that it was supposed to be more than 31 nations. Maybe he wasn't prideful. Maybe he was so discouraged and feeling like a failure as a leader going, I just thought by this point in my life, we would have been further than this. Anyone ever feel that before in your life, your ministry, your life, your family, your church, that you just say, man, I just, I thought we would have been further along than this. I got, I, I, I absolutely, I've been here 11 years now. I feel it regularly. I go, man, God, I thought, I thought by now, I thought by now, Lord, I thought by now, because God gives me a big vision, and sometimes, you know, I just want to help God along. Hey, don't forget about the vision you gave me. And so we go, what, and, and so what, maybe, maybe for him it was that, and so God says, hey, victory, Joshua, just remember, victory's more about me than it is about you. Matter of fact, as a spirit-filled believer, the only time you experience defeat, you ready for this? The only time you experience defeat is when you think the battle is more about you than it is about God. And you forget that it's God who fights your battle. You get defeated when you start to think, this is my battle and I need to fight it, instead of saying, hang on, it has never, I just participate with faith, but this is not, oh, it was, it was Egypt against Israel. No, it wasn't. It was the God of Israel against the God of Egypt, the gods of Egypt. Well, guess what? When you put the God of Israel against the God of Ra and, uh, and, and the God of the Nile, and guess who wins? The one who created the Nile. And so the Lord looks at Joshua, and in seven short verses, God says the same thing three separate times. He says... These lands are yet to be conquered. Joshua, I didn't forget. Joshua, I, I, didn't, I didn't, I know exactly where you are. I know what I promised. I'm God. Don't forget that. And so three separate times in seven verses, he says, these lands are yet to be conquered. Yeah, you know that area over there? And, and, and yeah, it's over there in that section northeast. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah that, that, that has yet to be conquered. You know that section over there that you've been looking at and dreaming about? And, that, and remember I gave you that vision about that land? I didn't forget. That land has yet to be conquered. Remember the land over there that I told you about and that you've dream, dreamt about? Yeah, that one there, that land has yet to be conquered. 
But then God gives Joshua this distinct command in verse 6. He says, I myself. Joshua's like, man, I'm old. I don't know who's my general. Say, Joshua, Joshua, hold on. I myself will drive these people out. Be sure. Be sure this land is given to Israel as a special possession as I've commanded you. I can't help but wonder how much flack Joshua faced for it. When he calls the leaders together and he says, all right, leaders, everybody gather in. I know you're the leaders of the tribes of the various people because it's now time to divide the land. Oh, that's great. 31 kings and kingdoms. We're getting that divided. That's wonderful. This sounds like an exciting plan. No, 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 no. Stop. Not the 31 kings and kingdoms. We're also going to be dividing that land in the northeast. We're going to be dividing that land that we've been dreaming about and that land that God gave us a vision for right back there. (laughs) Joshua. The Sidonians live there. Joshua, our enemies are in that land. We We haven't even stepped foot in that land. Man, Joshua's really getting old. This guy's starting to divide land. That we don't even have in our possession yet. He's starting to count on land that we don't even have yet. I wonder if people laughed at him. They said he's really getting old. God tells Joshua, distribute the land, not just the land you already conquered, but the land you haven't even started fighting for yet. Because God reminds Joshua of something that we all tend to forget. If God promises something, what happens? Just what he promised. When we get defeated is when we start to look at the timeline of what we think should happen and when it should have happened and how it should have happened. And then we say, I got to go help God. And God says, Have a seat. I, I will defeat them. I will drive them out, and I know my timing, and I have a plan, but do you still trust me? God owns all things. He has all power. I wonder how many of us would have actually moved and started doing what God said. How many of us would have said, yeah, 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 I'll take the. No, you probably would have been in the group with me that said, "Uh, okay, we'll give that to them. I'll take one of the 31 kingdoms that's already been conquered. I want the security. I want the security knowing that that nation's been conquered. That's the land I want because it's already open. Imagine our leaders just start planning. Imagine that I said, hey, who wants to show up tomorrow night? We're going to have a meeting in the sanctuary and we're going to start to talk about the way we're going to design and divide our building up. Not this one, the one we're going to own. It's, a, it's, a, it's about a 15,000 square foot building with a family life center. We're going to talk about the needs of the church and who's going to be where. And so just show up tomorrow or it's going to be real exciting. I, I just got a funny feeling we wouldn't have a lot of people here. And some of you would get in your car and say, Pastor has lost his mind. Dude is designing a building. We don't own land. We don't have, like, what is wrong with him? We don't even have land purchased, but when God says, I've given you the land, then it's time for his people to begin to dream and envision the land. Maybe this is crazy. Maybe, ah, maybe this is crazy. I'm just wondering if there's anyone here who can already envision part of our land that we don't even yet own. 
Maybe you have an, an, an idea of how that is going to specifically impact our community. You, you don't even know the location yet, but you already have a vision of a land in a building in ways ministries will operate, and we don't even own the land yet. This is just insane, but I just, I don't think I've ever done this before. But if that's you, would you just stand to your feet and shout out a sentence of what you envision right now? A big prayer room. Okay. Two-tiered congregation. Coffee shop and Christian bookstore. Coffee shop and what? Baking goods, okay, baked goods. Media room. See, this is not... So we're not just, we're not just, come on, brother. A gym? All right. Easy access for the city to get to. Notice, we're not just doing this stuff to save fun. Like, what does a gym do? Hey, Tuesday night, there's basketball. The community comes in. Hey, a coffee shop community's coming to your grounds. They're reading Christian literature. They're seeing where you're at, meeting the people who would be employed. They're probably some of our members. It would be interacting with us. So it's, 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 it's understanding the platform to minister, the technology room, where you have a quality product that not only goes in the building, but outside in, around the world. Okay? So, Huh? Lots of Sunday school. Two for each grade. I love it. I love it. See, the, the, uh, you, you, we don't want to lose this. We don't want to lose this right now. That, that, that we want to envision, oh, well, well, why are you even talking about this? We don't, we don't know. This is crazy. No, 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 no. Set that aside. Right now, God said, I'm going to do this. This is where I'm taking you. We don't know what his timeline is, but our vision cannot be based on the timeline. Our vision cannot be based on what has or has not happened yet in the spiritual realm. We got to be like Elisha's servant where Elisha says, oh, God, he can't see. Open up his eyes. Yeah, oh, go out there. Oh, there, there's more of us than there is of them. Lord, help him to really see in the future. He can't, he's looking at the moment right now, and he can't see what's on the horizon. He can't see the spiritual realm. That's what I want us to see. That's what I want us to see when we begin to say, okay, this is what I envision. This is what I see. Well, we don't even own the land yet. It does not matter. God gave us that vision. He's laid that on our heart. He's laid that prayer room on Sister Diana's heart. Even the gym, yes, it's going to be a community impact. There's going to be relationships that are built, the Sunday school rooms. These are things that we cannot lose the vision. When you begin to talk about, oh, we raised this much, we're at 57%, and we just need you to give. Hey, it's more than a fundraiser. This is vision. This is investment into a future. When we begin to say, no, 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 it's not just, oh, let's get our percentages up. It is, you want that, that gym, that prayer room? I want to invest in that. I want to come, I want to come forward faith in that. Why? Because God is going to impact an entire community through a church with vision. Let's just clap our hands if you believe that's getting ready to take place. I want to move on, but I just feel like I just feel like one thing I didn't hear. I didn't hear one word from someone in the youth group. This is going to be your church. This is where you are going to get married in that church, and you're going to raise children in that church. I need a youth member with some guts to stand up and say, this is what I see in a new building. 
Big old youth room. Thank you. That's what. See, why? Because guess what? This right here, some of these people, they're going to invest in things that you're going to enjoy and they won't be around. You have to get this vision because guess what? This will be where you get married. This will be where you have children. This will be where you serve in ministry. This will be, will be where you, one of you, will be eventually taking over as Pastor Chad as a youth pastor or me as a pastor or my wife as a music director. That's what you're, you're going to be taking over some of these things. Someone, one of you are going to be leading that massive technology booth that Brother Caesar just spoke into existence. See, vision, vision is not just based on present. When faith in God, what faith in God that it took by Joshua and those leaders to say, let's begin to allot the land that we haven't even conquered, and it's only being allotted because we trust that the battle is the Lord's. But you see, that's not where the story ends because we transition forward and we see something similar about 600 years later. When the prophet Jeremiah comes along, except for instead of being on the verge of gaining their promised land, now they're already living in the promised land, but they're on the verge of losing their promised land to the Babylonians because of sinful disobedience. Gaining the promised land, here's what we need to do. Jeremiah comes along 600 years later, and they're, they're living in sin and pagan worship, and now they're on the verge of losing the promised land as Babylon's taking them into captivity. And in spite of Judah's sin and disregard for God, God still shows them mercy. And God promises to preserve a remnant that would one day return to the land of promise. He said, you've disobeyed. You're going to be taken away. But I will preserve a people because I gave a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will keep a people. And you will return to this nation. Jeremiah 31, 27, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will greatly increase the human population and the number of animals here in Israel and Judah. In the past, I deliberately uprooted and tore down this nation. I overthrew it, destroyed it, brought disaster upon it. But in the future, I will just as deliberately plant it and build it up. I, the Lord, have spoken. I had a promise. You messed that promise up. Here's Babylon's taking you away, but I will bring you back again. But you got to imagine, how would you have felt? Babylon's carrying you off. The king just, the king, it's pretty gruesome when you read that king Zedekiah. He tries to flee when Babylon gets through the walls. And the last thing his eyes see is his sons being murdered. And then they gouge his eyes out. That's what, we, that's what we're reading about. you got to see, wow, there's a lot of hope there. No, no, that's pretty, pretty depressing, pretty disappointing as we're getting carried away. And you say, there goes our house that we used to live in. Get your stuff as much as you can carry on your back because now we're slaves to someone else. And we're not coming back here. And, man, life is, we've blown it. And I messed up the promise. And, and, and it's at that moment that God speaks to Jeremiah. In 32.8, he says, then, just as the Lord had said he would, my cousin Hanamel came and visited me in prison. He said, please buy my field at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. By law, you have the right to buy it before it's offered to anyone else. So buy it for yourself. And um, Cousin, Hanamel, bro, you see I'm in prison, right? You see the people, they're all take, they all have, they have one way tickets out of here. Not only are you not going to own your land, 
I'm not going to own your land. I'm not a real genius here, but it doesn't seem like the real estate market would be really hopping in Israel at that point. Israel's being, Judah's being destroyed. They're getting taken out. They're going to be slaves. They're, they're getting taken to another nation. That, why? Cousin, I love you, bro, but why am I going to buy your land when I'm in prison? We're all in prison. We're heading out. We're not even coming. It's one-way ticket. Why would I do that? But he says, then I knew the message I heard was from the Lord so I bought the field at Anathoth, paying Hanamel 17 pieces of silver for it. How many of you would buy a land for 17 pieces of your hard, silver, your hard-earned money, knowing the land's going to be destroyed? It's not even, you're not even going to be there. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But Jeremiah does that because Jeremiah says that God spoke to me. And he told me that a remnant would return to this land. And based on my present situation, it doesn't look very hopeful. But I am a prophet of God, he says. And so I don't base my actions on what the current circumstance of society looks like. When God speaks to me, I go ahead and do it because I know that my God is in control. So how much did you say? 17 pieces of silver, cousin? Here, I'm in prison. We're all getting exiled. But there's your money. Why? Because God has spoken about the future. Oh, yeah, but, but look at the present. No, why? If God has spoken, then I don't need to worry. And Jeremiah gives that reason in verse 13. He says, I said to Barak, and he, Baruch, and he was the, the writer. He was the scribe. And he says, tell him, this is what the Lord of armies says, uh, Lord of heaven's army says, the Lord God of Israel, take both this sealed deed and unsealed copy, put them in a pottery jar, preserve them for a long time. Jeremiah knew, hey, God's plan sometimes doesn't happen overnight. It might be a while before I come back. Put him in a pottery jar then. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, that the Lord God of Israel, someday people will again own property here, this land, and will buy and sell houses and vineyards and fields. I'm just wondering how many of us could have moved on that type of faith? How many of us could invest in something that we just say, well, doesn't look like the, the greatest time to be investing. But God says, Jeremiah, buy it. And Jeremiah says, write down what God just told me. And what God just told me is someday, someday on the horizon, I might need to put it in a pottery jar. It might be a little bit of time. But God has spoken. And when God has spoken, someday this land that is desolate and buried and destroyed is going to be a place of life. It's going to be a place of vineyards and growth and health. And I'm telling you right now, I just feel such a prophetic spirit in this place. I'm telling you right now that there is a place. I don't know if it's, I, I do not know if it's a building already built or if it's land that we are going to build on. But there is a place that is near this, this area right here. And that God, it is going to be a place of growth new birth, spiritual development. It's going to be a place that right now that we look at as death and just dead and, and dormant. And it's a place where God is going to bring it to life. 
But it's going to be a people who say, you know what? I'm willing to invest in something I cannot yet see. And so that's what to, today, you know, this is crazy because I had zero plans to talk anything about a campaign in this message. And God spoke to me and I said to myself, God, this is not even my plan to talk about the campaign. And immediately God spoke and said, this was never your plan. It's always been mine. And so I just stopped and kept going with my message. I said, okay, Lord. Why? Because God is trying to get his people ready. Why? Because COVID has messed up a whole bunch of dreams and visions. And I'm here to tell you, COVID has not messed up mine. Has COVID messed up yours or you still dream about the fact that the church is going to be a place where lives are touched, changed, impacted forever? Yeah, but look at society. Yeah, no, 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 no. I care about society, and I'm here to serve them. But the, the, the mandate of society and what's going on in society does not dictate my vision. My vision is not determined by what is going on in culture. My vision is always determined by what is thus saith the Lord. And when God says, here's the plan, here's what I want you to do. Rachel said it so well. God did not say, go on a stewardship campaign. And then he goes, oh man, guys, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot that I put in the calendar, me and, me and Gabriel, Michael, we were sitting down and we were, we were planning things out. And I totally forgot that we scheduled COVID in 2020. So I just want to apologize to you, church, that you're going to be behind. No, 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 no. We serve a God that says, oh, no, no, no. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the first and the last, the alpha, the omega. I see all things in between. And so if you walk with me, I didn't change your path. I took you on the path I was always planning to take you on. Are you going to cease and go, oh, no? Or are you going to say, yep, that's fine. Yep, I'm just still walking with God. He's got a plan. I'm heading this land. I'm going to be like Joshua and say, it's time to allot the land. It's time you get that land and you get that land and you get the land of the Sidonians. We haven't stepped foot in it yet, but you're fixing to get it in just a minute because God's in control. Jeremiah, you're going to buy that land? Dude, that don't make no sense, bro. Like, that's crazy. Why are you buying that land? Because God spoke that one day people are going to come back and there's going to be life and animals and vineyards. And so you know what? I'm investing in the future life. I know it doesn't look real good right now. I know that we don't need it right now, but because God spoke to me, I'm going to put my investment in the future, and I know that I'm going to have a little part. Even if I'm not around, even if I'm not alive, someone's going to be handed a piece of land that's been paid for. That life is going to be there. That children are going to grow up there. That lives are going to be impacted there. And so as you stand to your feet this morning, when the voice of God speaks in your situation, hear me please. When the voice of God speaks, you can either, number one, wait to see how things pan off and pan out and then respond. Sit back and say, you know, well, once we get the building, once they lay the foundation, then I'm going to pray about making, a, making a, a, a donation to that because I know they'll need something. No, 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 no. God's setting the future right now. God's saying, you know what? I want someone to lay a harvest before they even know where the harvest is going to be. I want someone to lay something out when they say, you don't even, you don't even know where you're going to be, what it's going to look like, when it's going to happen. Happen. But because God spoke it, if it's five years or two years or 22 years, I'm putting something into a future that someone somewhere is going to enjoy.
That's someone somewhere. And so we can either say, well, I'm going to see how it pans out, or I'm going to say it's time for me to buy the land. It's time for me to move forward. You can either sit and wait until the land gets conquered, or you can go out ahead of it and say, it's time to allot it. And, and you know what? And when Joshua says, hey, you get that land, you say, praise God. I can't wait to see what it's going to look like when the enemy's defeated. Not while you give me that land. Somebody, somebody's still sitting there. That's not fair. No, 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 no. Hey, Joshua. God spoke to you, well then praise God. The Sidonians are there, but I can't wait to see how God's going to get them out. I can't wait to see the blessing that comes from the uninhabited land that God has just given me. I can't wait, but I'm here to tell you God is still telling us the land will be ours. Go ahead and buy the land because I know that when God speaks, it's as good as done. It doesn't matter where Israel was in her journey, when it was time to inhabit the promised land or when they were leaving the promised land. They knew if God speaks, I hear his voice, I follow his voice, and it is good as done. COVID has crushed a lot of dreams, but it has not crushed mine. It has not crushed mine. I know that God still has a plan. He still has a plan. And that's why when I said, God, I wasn't talking about no campaign or land or anything. It wasn't my plan. That's why God says, Gary, shut your mouth. This was never your plan. This was always my plan. And so I'm thankful today that God has a plan not just for the church but he's got a plan for the building and he's got a plan for your life that no matter where you are what you're doing no matter what you're going through that God has a plan that you could sit and say yeah but my present circumstance but my present job situation the present health diagnosis the present all this stuff that's going on in my marriage that you can say you know what my, 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 my faith is not based on what things look like today. My faith is on the fact that my God spoke. And when God speaks, even if it doesn't make sense, if he says buy the land, I'm going to buy the land. If he says allot the land, I'm going to allot the land and rejoice in it. I'm just wondering if I still pastor a group of people who are able to have vision for the future, who are able to be like Union Station and say, you know what, you're going to build something. What was it, 15 times the metro metro uh, population there like that is insane who would do that who would build something that was that much greater than what they needed at that point I'm just thankful that we had men and women in the United States of America who had vision for roads and buildings and infrastructure that set us up to be the greatest nation on the face of this earth and you know what and that's that same touch that in order to be a great church and do great things and see mighty works of God. We've got to be a people that see beyond sanctuary one of Refuge Church. Look around. We've enjoyed this building. We've been here for 40 some years and we've enjoyed it and God's done great things. It's not to belittle the future. It's to build on the future. This building cannot house what God has planned for the city of Liberty. If that's you and you believe that, I invite you to find a place to pray. Maybe you, you can say God, begin to touch my vision. I've lost it a little bit. Maybe you can just begin to rejoice about what he's getting ready to do. Maybe God's speaking to you financially about a number. Maybe God's doing, he, no, I don't know what he's doing in your life, but right now, God's speaking to somebody that's saying, you know what? I'm speaking it into existence, but can you envision it? Can you claim it? Are you going to sit back and wait and see, well, I'm going to see how it transpires. No, 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 no. Go ahead and buy the land. Go ahead and allot the land. Go ahead and plan on the fact that God's word 
word is as good as gold. If he spoke it, it's going to happen. It's not a matter of, oh, if. It's just a matter of when. But he needs his people to say, I proceed. I move forward. I keep walking. God's got this. I can't wait to hear about the things that this church just spoke into existence. The, 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 uh, the, the platform that's large enough with guitar players. The, the prayer rooms. The Sunday school rooms. Two for each age. The gym. The family life center. I can't wait to hear about these things. The coffee area. The places that the community is going to come. I believe it. I believe with you in the name of Jesus.